And for managers, the difficult part here is to figure out when does somebody have mental health issues? How much can I help? How much should I help? Because yep. managers are usually not psychologists. So there is sure. a limit to what you can actually do as a manager. And how do you actually figure out that somebody needs help? Because when somebody comes in the office with eye bags to their feet three mm -hmm. days in a row, you know that probably something is wrong or the kid isn't sleeping or, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And you just ask. But yeah. if you don't see your people, and many companies now have their company calls actually with video off, so you look at like no, no visual feedback, like how do Please. you figure that out? Hey everyone, welcome to Leading From Afar, a show by remote leaders for remote leaders, where we dive into the most important topics facing leaders in the future of work. I'm your host, Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision, one of the first all remote companies back in 2012. I've since helped build and scale multiple remote teams as an early employee or consultant. In each episode, we geek out doing deep dives on specific topics like within async, hiring the best talent anywhere, how to create a fun and engaging environment remotely, and so much more. This show was created to help managers leading remotely upskill themselves to help them build world-class remote cultures. If you enjoyed this content, please feel free to support me by subscribing in your favorite podcasting app, share it with friends and colleagues, and feel free to buy me a coffee via the show's website. Hey everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Leading From Afar. I'm your host, Scott Markovitz. Today, I'm joined by the Empress of Remote, Valentina Turner, who is the Head of Remote and Customer Support at Klaus. She's a fellow remote OG, just like me. And today, we speak about a topic that is as important and will continue to be even after the pandemic ends, and that's mental health in remote teams. Today, we did a deep dive and pretty much nerded out into what we've been doing as remote leaders to spot and combat burnout how and what tools we use to keep a pulse on how our team is feeling, what leaders in every remote organization can do today to foster better team engagement and connection. And of course, what we as leaders need to be doing ourselves to support our own mental health so we can be there and better support our teams. So hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, Valentina, how are you today? Thank you for joining. Hey, Scott, nice to be here. It's uh, exciting to have you. Where are you uh, calling in from from today? Today I'm in Italy, actually at home in Barcelona. Well, not in Barcelona, about 40 minutes outside Barcelona. And we had a storm oh, nice. yesterday, so it's not scorchingly hot, <laughs> which I'm actually enjoying quite a bit. That, that's, that's, it's, it's a good time. Uh, and somebody mentioned uh, on my team a couple of days ago, they're, they're in upstate, or one of like the Slack communities, and I forget where it was, but they're in upstate New York. And... I remember when I lived in New York, some of those days, like mid to late August, we just, there's like a smell in the air where like, it's mm -hmm. okay. You get the, you get that hint of fall. And then like mentally you start thinking, ah, okay. You know, the, the leave changing and football or American football starts and uh, pumpkin spice, like overwhelms everybody in America at that time. You start kind of like starting to feel good, but yeah, I, I don't know what the, the temperature of it gets cool over by you, but I, if you, are you close to the beach still, or are you kind of more away uh, from the beach? Well, I'm about now 14 minutes from the beach. So it's still a little bit less humid than if you live right at the coast side, but it's really nice to have some respite here. And actually, yeah, last week I visited Klaus in in Estonia. Nice. I just came back yesterday and they're yeah. having 30 degrees at the moment. They are Ooh. dying of heat because they're not prepared for that. <laughs> for, so like, for yeah, sure. Climate change is really interesting how it hits like different countries. Yeah, and, and definitely, I mean, parts of the, I guess, Northern Europe that don't normally get that hot, so they don't have air conditioning. So you need to kind of deal with those warm temperatures with the best, like a fan. And it's like, uh, yeah, no, and once terrible. the heat is inside the house, it doesn't get out because yeah. the houses are designed to not let any heat out. Yep. <laughs> so before uh, we jump into the topic today, usually we like, I, I like to do starting off uh, each episode is kind of just bring up something that's been in the news that's not topic related for the episode. Mm -hmm. And I think like the easy one coming, maybe we'll kind of contrast. So we'll go with like the last week, yesterday, day before Apple made their announcement, probably from like the third or fourth try over the last two years. <laughs> yes, 
people are coming back to the office in a hybrid model of three days and two days and spoken about that at length quite passionately against it but we'll, we'll hear from you because i know you're very much of you know, against the ideas of this definitely doesn't work or this definitely shouldn't be like that there's always flexibility so i want to kind of dive into that mm. but on the other side there was an, an article maybe about two weeks ago about dropbox and all the kind of wins they have but i want to focus more on the idea of what they're actually doing with the office and i think similar to what salesforce is doing where they kind of have completely redesigned their headquarters, totally mm -hmm. kind of gutted what the office looks like and refocusing. And this is something that I spoke about on, on season number one with a couple number of people who are in the commercial real estate space mm -hmm. about understanding what the new purpose about the office is and redesigning for that. So we'd love to kind of have your thoughts. What do we think is, is the future purpose of an office? Should people be forced back into an office like Apple is doing? Should they not be, but let's just, start rolling from there. So the whole idea of forcing people back in the office, I, I think that that already says it all, because if you have to force people to do something, you have definitely not managed to communicate your intent in a way that it resonates with them. And one of the, the gripes that I have with hi, the hybrid model as it's present in a lot of company is this very inflexible three days in, two days out, or the other way around, and we tell you exactly. which days those need to be. So there's like, people actually like about remote work, the flexibility that it gives you to, to make your life outside of work, work with the life at work. And if as a company you define, no, but we have decided you need to be in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that's it, it kind of runs against this flexibility. And then it also depends a little bit on how somebody works best and what kind of role they have. For example, if you are a salesperson and you have lots of lots of calls on Tuesdays, why do you have to commute 40 minutes to the office to find a conference room there, do your Zoom calls and then drive 40 minutes back? Because Absolutely. Tuesday is office day and we have decided that. And it just, it makes no sense. And it creates a lot of resentment for the employee because they very well know they could just have those conference calls at home, yep. drinking their favorite coffee and not having to fight with 700 other people for the same mm. conference room Please. because there are never enough conference rooms available as people who need to be on video calls. Yeah. So like this whole, why are we doing this? And I have talked to a lot of companies who tell me, yeah, but we need to get them to the office two days a week because otherwise they are classified as a different type of worker and we have to pay for different things that they have at work. Which, I mean, it's a reason, but then again, having to pay for the desk of the worker, but then retaining them another two years because they are not frustrated. Like yeah. where's the trade-off, but it's two different buckets within the company where the money yeah. comes from and these yeah, buckets yeah, yeah. don't talk to each other. So, so unless there is like a strategy around the fact we are doing remote work this way, because we have thought about it and we think everybody should come to the office, I don't know, on Wednesdays. And then on Wednesdays, we actually have team lunch together yeah. and we have specific collaborative things where people actually interact with each other yeah. because then the office can actually be a huge asset. And yeah. there are companies that have re that are doing the redesign of the office, but yeah. that actually requires you to think about why do we have this office and what do we want to do with the time in the office? Because everybody's like, yeah, people get lonely at home, so they have to go to the office. But if you don't speak to anyone in the office, you'll be just as lonely. <laughs> or if you don't have then time to actually hang out around the coffee where the innovation apparently happens yeah. around the water cooler. Like if you don't have time for that because you're sitting in conference calls at the office, it doesn't make a difference. So like turning exactly. the office from a place into an opportunity creator like yep. that is actually the big the, the big like challenge and a lot of companies don't want to look at that challenge because it creates a lot of work for people who already are completely overwhelmed with all the changes yeah, yeah absolutely two a couple of points i want to to go on i think the last one first you know, something that i've been saying for since this whole thing started was you know the big issue people when the idea of hybrid it started where people were moving in that direction it's because they, they look at it as an investment cost. Okay. We can kind of mm -hmm. force people back in the office. We know how to do office culture. So for the three days a week, people are in the office. Okay. We can get that right. And the other kind of two days a week, we just 
kind of let, let people go. It. Exactly. And that will work. But, and then the other side, okay, we understand or we believe that we need to completely redesign how we operate, how we engage people, how we do, I mean, we had upskill managers. We had to, I mean, it's a huge investment in it. And people are, I think, scared about that, especially that they don't have that experience mm -hmm. and understanding, especially how to do it the right way. I think there's a lot of fear for that. And they just kind of go with the easy option of, oh, yeah, let's just get people back in the office. Okay, we know what to do with three days a week. And the other two week, two days a week, we kind of go off. Completely agree with that. Another Actually, one. like that you said, the, we know how to do the office in quotation <laughs> <Yeah>. marks. <laughs> Because actually, Nobody we don't really know how to do office. We just have been doing it for the last 50 years and kind of got used to a modus operandi that we now think somebody ever thought it through. But I don't think that ever happened. Exactly. The culture, I mean, there's very, very few companies that know how to do culture right. I remember there was like two weeks ago, one of these typical CEO posts. No, I'm very sorry that I had to let no 20, 30% of the company go oh, yeah, and, yeah. and blah, 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 blah. On their website, I just happened to look at their website on their career site, and the whole image there was about we invest in our people and we happiness and engagement and fun and all these different things like this. Like very much like we're very employee centric. Like that's our focus. Mm. And in the CEO's message, the person's message was okay. No, we had to let these people go because first and foremost, we have to take care of the company. And then after that, we had to take care of the investors and then whatever it was. And I thought yeah, to myself, yeah. well, the company is the employees. Like the investors are not important at all. I mean, the only way you build a successful company is if you have happy employees, right? Because happy mm -hmm. employees make happy customers. Unhappy Correct. employees make unhappy customers. So it should be the priority of every company to make, to be employee centric and to make everybody mm -hmm. happy first. So you see on this one side, you know, very much of the public image, oh, we're employees and learning and development and fun and da, 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 da. And then here comes the CEO saying, oh, the, the company comes first and the, the investors come second. And then maybe some point farther down the line, the employees come out and whatever. I'll, 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 I'll avoid going down that rant. Uh, but one other <laughs> point I wanted to make before we actually dive into the conversation today was I had heard and it somewhat made sense for like the idea of if we do hybrid to make it specific days versus kind of get rid of flexibility. Because if you're going to have people come in, let's say three days a week or two days a week, whatever it is, the intention in, in theory was in those two or three days, that's when you're doing like the collaboration, that you're, the synchronous meetings. No, please help me about mm -hmm. that one. But that's where people were going to spend face time together. So if that was the purpose, like, okay, I can understand that. But if you're going to have people come to your office, like take advantage of like that FaceTime and relationship building. Okay. And if you do like the flexibility and some people comes on a Monday, one comes on a Wednesday. And then like that whole purpose of getting people back into the office, like pushing them back to the office is completely gone because the yeah. reason you're getting people back in the office was for like that FaceTime and relationship building. And if people are not there at the same time, then that purpose that is out the window as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's let's start off. Let's move in the right direction here. Let's keep keep going on. The way we start every one of the episodes is just introduce yourself a little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about Valentina and tell us a little bit more about Klaus. So, yeah, my name is Valentina Turner, which is like Tina Turner. We just write it a little bit weirder <laughs> in German. My official role at the moment is, is Klaus is Empress of Remote and Support Quality because I'm both in charge of making sure that internally our processes are aligned with remote so that we can actually offer the best remote experience for those who don't want to go to the office and also the best office experience for those yep. who do want to go to the office. So Klaus is hybrid in a sense that there are headquarters in Estonia and about a third of the people actually live close enough that they could go to the office if they wanted to. But usually they go when there's cake for a birthday or something, which tells me <laughs> that actually the remote setup is working because even the people sure. who could go to the office go there um, when they want to socialize, but not yes. when they when they are in their conference calls. Klaus is a, a platform for quality support within customer support teams. So our clients are companies who take customer service like really seriously yep. and uh, who want to make sure that not only their customer support representatives get the training that they need, the coaching that they need, the support they need, but they also want to look at which process are maybe a bottleneck for our reps, mm. which of uh, where are the, pro where's the product really negatively affecting their, their work? Because at the end it's like, 
like a spider net where everything is connected and you cannot only say we're going to improve here and leave the rest out of it because it all plays together. Yeah. And because we are remote ourselves and a lot of the people are from customer support industry, we actually also help our clients not only to use the tool itself, but also to review like if they are, if they have decided to continue to be remote, I will come in and help them like to see how yes. can we do this so that it works. So it kind of, we take the customer support and the remote part together and then help wherever we can, because it is in our inter interest that their sure. customer support teams are actually successful. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So the focus today, the last couple episodes uh, of season two, were very focused in mind with the idea of the individual manager at what I like to call a bucket three remote company. I, mean, I think mm -hmm. I, I like to say we have three buckets of remote companies. You have the bucket one, the OG remote companies or the pre-pandemic pre remote companies that have been doing this for a while, certainly pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. again, it could be the buffers, the GitLabs, the, the so forth, or even these companies who launched within six to 12 months before the pandemic, they're doing, <laughs> us. They're, they're, they're doing remote, they know how to do remote the right way. Bucket number two is you have the companies that went remote during the pandemic and said, hey, this is pretty good. And we believe in this and we want to go all in and we're going to mm -hmm. embrace all the best practices, you know, whether it's you know, async by default before day work weeks and hiring everywhere and so forth. And oh, that's I have thoughts on two. the four day work week. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into there. And number three, which I think is a bulk in most remote companies today are the companies who went remote during the pandemic because they had to, or because then maybe mm -hmm. they believed, you know, this was, this was the right direction, but they're still very much holding on to the old ways of the office. They're not embracing asynchronous. The days are still filled with synchronous meetings. They're maybe not embracing the four day work week or whatever it looks like. They're still hiring in, in regions, but they're not embracing those again, best practices that you look at that are coming, you know, have been coming for years from Doist and, and Buffer and, and, mm -hmm. and GitLab and things like that. So the focus was in these, this bucket three for an individual manager who's sitting, Hey, I want to, I want to be the best of the best, right? I want to embrace all the best of the future work has to offer. I totally believe in it, but my company is kind of stuck in this, mm -hmm. not there yet. So how do I, as an individual leader, start making changes within my specific team to embrace mm -hmm. those? And I think the topic we want to talk about today that we discussed ahead of time was around mental health, around loneliness, around burnout, all these kind of big picture type things, which has been a huge issue for many years, especially loneliness. You know, every, if you looked at the state of, uh, state of remote report that Buffer had created for the last however many years, like mm -hmm. year after year after year, like loneliness was like the top issue. And then during the pandemic, it's all, hell broke, all hell broke loose with, with everything else, with chaos and mental health things. And God knows, I don't think there was anyone on this planet that didn't have any kind of yeah. you know, mental health issues, you know, my, myself certainly included. But now the pandemic's kind of passing hopefully, and people are kind of starting to return back to life. You know, we certainly don't want that idea of mental health kind of like falling off of importance uh, because mm -hmm. it's still important. It's still people are still dealing with things as they have been beforehand, but thankfully the stigma has now kind of gone and really kind of like dive into like these ideas of for a specific, a specific individual leader, like what tools can they use? How do they look for for burnout, how do they look for frustration? How do they look for loneliness? What can they do? What tools, what, mm -hmm. like all these bits and kind of pieces to help this person who's running this team uh, and wants to do the best that they can, because again, the company is not doing these company-wide things, right? They're not GitLab and they're mm -hmm. not doing, you know, juice box chats like we had on the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not, you know, getting people not, not they haven't yet maybe embraced company-wide pulse surveys that, or whatever it is. So let's, let's start here if that's that works for you yeah and actually what i'm always surprised to hear that a lot of companies who came out of who became remote because of the pandemic they they see this like either you are in the office or you never ever ever meet your colleagues ever yes. again and i mean yes. there is a reason why a buffer automatic GitLab do regular meetups Correct. where they get people together. Like they are, yep. you don't have an office, but it doesn't mean that you never see your coworkers. And I think like one of the reasons why 
it feels less lonely if you're going to the office is because you end up making friends with the people that you have something in common with and that yep. you spend time with. Yes. That's just how humans work. Yes. And if you are going eight hours a day or however long to the office, you are, I mean, you have something in common at the very sure. minimum when you have sure. to work in common and you spend a lot of time together. And so you end up being something like friends with the people in the office. Yep. And then when you get out of the office and you have never learned to make friends outside the office because you didn't have time, you were commuting yeah. to the office, then you were in the office, then you had lunch with the people at the office and then you commuted back and then the day was over. Yep. So I think a lot of people who didn't choose by their own volition, remote work, yep. they were kind of taken by surprise by the fact that holy shit, if the company doesn't choose my friends, I have no idea how to choose them myself. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the loneliness comes from, especially for people who don't have partners or don't live with somebody that can kind of offset this loneliness feeling. Yeah. And for managers, the, the difficult part here is to figure out when is somebody actually, when, when does somebody have mental health issues? How much can I help? How much should I help? Because yep. managers are usually not psychologists. So there is sure. a limit to what you can actually do as a manager. And how do you actually figure out that somebody needs help? Because when somebody comes in the office, like with eye bags to their feet, uh, like three mm -hmm. days in a row, you know that probably something is wrong, like, yeah. or the kid isn't sleeping or, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And you just ask. But yeah. if you don't see your people, and many companies now have their company calls actually with video off, so you look at like no, no visual feedback, like how do you Please. figure that out? Yeah, yeah. There's so much good this year to start with. So let's start maybe on the loneliness side and making friends. So yesterday was very interesting. So the company I work for, Cloud App, is putting together a, a book around asynchronous work, kind of a very holistic view, kind of diving into teams and all different things like that. So we had a a meeting yesterday kind of talking about asynchronous because the company is not asynchronous by default. My, my two teams are, I run my teams asynchronous uh, by default, but the rest of the company isn't run that way. We were mm -hmm. a company that was office-based pre-pandemic and then went remote during the pandemic. So there is potentially similar to Klaus, a good chunk of people are in and around where the original office was, mm -hmm. uh, which is now gone. And one of the questions that had been asked was around the idea of, of having an office or no office. A number of people had mentioned specifically, hey, we missed that opportunity of coming into the office to see people, to kind of hang out, to have lunch and kind of build those relationships. And as you said, when you were in that environment and people were there, and those were really the people that you socialize with kind of most of your entire day, that's where kind of your friends were. But now that you're not in that environment anymore and you're still kind of working nine to five or nine to six, mm -hmm. but you don't have those people around you, like how can, how, how do you recreate that? I know I, I'll, I'll later go into how I personally recreated mm -hmm. that at my time in division, because I'm very much of an extrovert. So I needed to recreate those opportunities, but at least maybe mm -hmm. start off of like your yeah. thoughts for people who were kind of in this environment. And especially for like a leader who's leading teams of people who used to be in the office or friends were in mm -hmm. the office. Now they're kind of like, what, what can a leader be doing now to kind of recreate those opportunities for engagement? Mm -mm. So I'm an introvert myself. So, so for me, it was, I would say maybe even a little bit harder because I don't naturally go out and bring people into my life, basically, if I can yeah. help it, because I'm fine in my cave. <laughs> so, but I have been working remotely for over 10 years. So I had to figure out that pretty, pretty early. So one of the things that as a leader, like you definitely have to have regular one-on-ones with all of your teammates. Like I would say once a week, at least every second week so that you can figure yep. out what is happening in their lives and make those one-on-ones, not just number related because those you can see at some, on some dashboard anyway, sure. but like make sure that there's time in there to figure out like what, how's the family? What are, what do you do in your free time? And when you consistently yeah. get like nothing or only reading books or like, if there are no other people in that, what are you doing in time? Then maybe yeah. it's an op option to like probe. So like, where do you get new ideas from? Or whom do you rubber duck with? Like, whom do you just uh, talk through your thoughts to see yeah. like how much uh, social connection they do have? Because even the most introverted person has one or two people in their lives that yeah. they talk with. And then if yeah. they do want like to, if they do feel the lack of interactions, then there are some things that you can do as a leader that is 
giving them ideas on how to connect with other people, even reading books on like how to make friends, because these are you like skills and helping them in terms of if they are extrinsically motivated in terms of accountability partner. By next week, you need to have visited three co-working spaces and see if any of those was like close enough, convenient enough, price, price point, okay, etc. So I like to help them to move towards actually getting those social connections. Yep. And with co-working spaces, I've had a lot of very good experience with co-working spaces and also very bad experience. Mm. It's a little bit like with a gym. There are some gyms you go and people <laughs> go in, do their stuff and go out and never talk yeah, yeah, to yeah. anyone. And then there are gyms That's that me. kind of... That, that kind of created this and afterwards you linger and like talk to some people and compare training plans or something. And so by just finding these or even the library, like every library has a cafe. Like if you're working there and then like hang out in the cafe often enough, you'll figure out who are the other people who hang out there all the time. And you kind of can create these social connections based on something that you have in common, which might be the gym or the library, like love of reading or whatever, because even just being around people isn't enough either. You need something in common. If it's not work, you need to figure out something else that you have in common and not everybody will like enjoy the pottery class. So like experimenting is super interesting. And as a leader, I think because you get the input from everybody on your team, you potentially have a lot of more ideas how people can, actually be be social so like by yeah. sussing out in your team like who's social in which way and then making the connection say hey somebody else on the team is doing this how about you try this and really encouraging people to try out these things helps them to because no one needs to reinvent the wheel all over again because like sure. we know it's round so like just how can we get this roundness into the rest of our day yeah so I'm really curious, how, do, how did you do this? Because as, a, as an extrovert, like the need is, I guess, a lot higher. Yeah. So for, for me personally, so I'll go by my personal history than, mm -hmm. than what I do with my teams. So when I worked in an office many, many moons ago, I, I try to avoid thinking about those days as much as I can. At least once or twice a day, would go to Starbucks with a colleague and friend. Every hour I had to go get up, go to someone's desk, you know, meet at the water cooler mm. just to kind of have that conversation. And for me, those were like a core fundamental part of my day. Like I needed those for, I guess, my energy you know, throughout the day. And when I went remote, like those in theory weren't possible anymore without the physical space, no physical space meant there's no physical people, which meant that you couldn't you know, have those, those easy interactions. Was that at the beginning of the pandemic? No, this or was, was 10, 10, okay. 10 and a half years ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So because I think ago. that's a disclaimer we have to give to everybody who started remote during the pandemic. Pandemic work. forced work from home is not remote work. Remote work. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a completely absolutely. different animal. <laughs> absolutely. We, we've, we've hit that point. God knows how many times on this podcast and, uh, and everywhere else. So at my time in a vision, what I started to do was on Slack, I kind of go to the list of people who are online for that day. I kind of close my eyes. I'd scroll randomly, like click some random person mm. and I'd say, Hey, Hey, Valentina, I'm Scott. I'm in Israel. You want to jump on a five minute zoom call? Mm -hmm. And people absolutely loved it. They oh, love that, that, that spontaneity. They loved that having just kind of a short conversation, like as you would at a water cooler, right? At a mm -hmm. water cooler, it's not a 30 minute meeting, right? It's yeah, kind of yeah. a short conversation, like how are the kids, how's the game, how's this, whatever. And it was just like that, that opportunity and also to see a face and hear a voice because most communication over in remote mm -hmm. teams that wasn't meeting related always happened through Slack. So getting out of text in the box and seeing, seeing a face and hearing voice, people loved it to the point, like after the first or second time with random people, they would start messaging me saying, Hey, when are we doing the next five minute mm. FaceTime? Because they, mm -hmm. they loved that opportunity so much. So continue, continue doing that for a long time. What I've been doing now with my teams that, that I run at CloudUp are a number of things. I think you hit one on the beginning of what you're saying. So as I mentioned, I run my teams asynchronously. So the work portion of our one-on-ones and both our team meetings are done asynchronously. So mm -hmm. like right, any type of meeting, I create a Google slide of whatever data points I want to share with my team. Mm -hmm. I record a CloudUp video of me walking through that Google slide. I share it mm -hmm. with them on a Monday. Say, hey, individual or team, you have two days to share feedback in the Slack thread, questions, feedback, whatever it may be. We can tackle that asynchronously. If something's mm -hmm. not addressed, we can bring it up. We have a synchronous time in the calendar for one-on-one -on -one and team time on Wednesday. And if anything isn't addressed, we do it then. On the Wednesdays for team time is we play a game. 
where we do mm -hmm. show and tell. Like it's all about team building. It's all about relationship building. There's nothing really anything about work. Mm -hmm. I'm very much focused on just getting people together. An individual, the one-on-one -on -one time, it's also very much of like, hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? Like, did your kid make the soccer team? Like, what are you reading? How was the trip? All those kind of very, very much focus of getting to know you as a person, getting to have uh -huh. that conversation, relationship building, things like that, professional development. So we've been doing that. And it was interesting that a number of months ago, I had canceled one of the team funds because I think two out of six people at the time were out that day. And I was thinking mm. from the wrong end from, from, oh, I didn't want those two people to kind of like miss that interaction with the rest of the team. Mm. So I said, okay, I'm going to cancel it. Okay. So we do daily standups. We'll, we'll get to later. We'll also do like a biweekly standup with a more in depth one. And, and mm -hmm. one of the feedback the points I got was one person that said, and I feel sometimes we're too asynchronous to the point where I was like, I really missed that team fun, that team building on Wednesday. Yeah. Like I missed interacting with the team. I missed hanging out with the team. And I was like, holy crap, like you're right. Like I can't not, I can't cancel for the people who are gonna miss it. Like it's it's important for the people who are here to have that op opportunity. Yeah, for because you're taking away an hour of fun and adding it, in an hour of work basically, exa which exactly. is not a nice exchange. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I said, okay, I'm never gonna make that mistake again. And I said, okay, well, we also need to be getting together more as a team then more than once every two weeks. So I said, okay, what else could we be doing? So we started doing like one or twice a week, half an hour, hour, depending on what how many times, like a co-working called session. So it's, mm -hmm. it's basically like an open mic where people, they can join, they can not join, they can leave, come on late, leave early and it's there. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk about work and you want to talk about work questions with the team, great. If you want to talk about anything that's not work, that's great mm -hmm. too. But again, it's also just the idea to get people together see their face, hear their mm -hmm. voice, talk about something. Again, in this case, it could be work. It could not be work. But again, just having those opportunities, because again, is the number one word that's come up over all this time for, for remote work, intentionality. If mm -hmm. you don't create as a leader, if you don't create these opportunities to connect and be very intentional with them, as yep. you've also said, they're never going to happen on their own. Mm -mm. So it's something, again, I'm always looking for things. If you have ideas, I've been asking my team, like, what other things do you want to do? Like what other opportunities? Yeah. So I'm always very interested in like, what else can we try to get the team together just to know each other, maybe partially asynchronously, partially mm -hmm. synchronously. Like if you have some ideas, I would love to hear them. Mm -mm. I love that you like basically have structured in, in a way that these interaction just happen without anyone having to like actively make it happen. Because yep. whenever you depend on people making something happen, then it inertia just ha takes over and, yeah. and, and it doesn't happen. I think the one thing that a lot of people always claim the office is better at is like the serendipity that you yep. do end up speaking to people that you would not speak to just because you have the same, yeah. like the same, I don't know, lunch, lunch break or whatever, which yeah. on the other side also means that in the office, after all, you also end up interacting with the same five people all the time Absolutely. because you only interact with the people that have their coffee break at 11. You never yeah. run into the people who go and have a coffee at 1130 because yeah. we are all creatures of habits. So yeah. in the end, you also, if you observe like an office from above, you also end up after a week seeing like the patterns who goes where, when yeah. and to talks to whom. And I think in an, in an online environment, like you did, you can create the opportunity for serendipity to yep. happen, but yep. somebody has to create that structure. Exactly. And as a team lead, as at, at least for your own team, yep. you can create the structure. And then the next step would be to kind of lobby slash teach the other team leads that are on yeah. your level to also try this out with their team and make very clear like this is a little bit work, more work for you yes yeah. but you will also have a much more engaged team and next time you have a team meetup you won't have to like uh, convince anyone because they will already know each other so well that they will look forward to meeting all of these people because i think that's an interesting I think a lot of people say we do meetups and people can then take that social energy to like survive until the next yeah. meetup. But it is also true the other way around. If you have already had a lot of fun with these people online, you yeah. want to see them in person and exactly. that makes the, the meetup actually successful. And you can yeah. like a little bit jumpstart it quicker because people already know each other and you don't have to start with the weather. You can directly start with, so did your kid manage to get into that football club or not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was a point, it, a couple of these it's episodes. Like a, what's that? 
It's like a loop, like, uh, like both yeah. t- types reinforce each other. Yeah, completely, completely correct. A number, I think it was like one or two episodes last year may have been spoke about like these IRLs and the importance of getting people together. And hmm. as, as you said, for us remote leaders who've been doing this a long time, like every one of us says getting together as often as possible is absolutely critical. And again, what happened in, in mm-hmm. during the pandemic is obviously nonsense. So having, so if you do an IRL once a year or twice a year as a team, like, okay, what are you doing in between those get togethers yeah. to continue either building a relationship to kind of, you know, put wind in the sail, or as you said, to, to create those relationships beforehand. So then when you meet in person, like they're so much, so much stronger. And when I, I went to an Envision IRL in 2019, it's very interesting. This last point, and we'll move over to mental health. Every meal was a, an interesting sociological experiment. APAC sales team sat with APAC sales team. iOS team sat with iOS team. Exactly like you said, people who kind of have the habit of sitting and talking, they're going to be the ones who socialize. Mm-hmm. So for me, either again, as an extrovert or being the first employee in Envision, so literally everybody there came after me and I mm-hmm. never interacted with 90 something percent Anyone, of the people yeah. there. Every single one of the meals, I sat at a different table. I didn't sit uh-huh. with my team the entire time. I, per- I made it a point to sit with a different group of people every time. And my team was kept on, why aren't you sitting with us? Why aren't you sitting with us? I'm like, listen, I talk to you every day. I know you. But yeah. These people here, I've never met them. I've never heard about them. And if it wasn't for this opportunity for these like three, four days here, I'd have nothing to do with them. So I'm going to take this opportunity to just see who they are and get to know them and, and build some kind of relationship. Then hopefully now mm-hmm. that we go back to remote, we can kind of continue a conversation here. So yeah, I, I love that idea of as you're building this within your team as individual leader and seeing that success, then sharing it with other leaders, you know, within teams that are inside of you, getting them to do it and then trying to kind of, I guess, collaborate across the team lead and say, Mm -hmm. okay, we're doing these interactions together. How do we bring the, our two, three, four teams together for a team fun or to make those little kind of coffee chats or something like that. Absolutely. And that's why it's also yeah. helpful to actually document the things that you yes. do, because because the, when you share this with someone else, the first reaction I get is, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. And if I can then say, well, but here's a template yeah. that tells you when to write which message in Slack to start getting it going, then it suddenly is like a little bit less daunting. I completely agree. So let's kind of pivot now more towards like the mental health side, the burnout side of how leaders, again, now in a remote environment where you can't, in theory, see the person's face all the time. Again, mm-hmm. we have we have Zoom, so again, take advantage of that. But what you've been doing as a leader for your teams that you don't see to get a sense of how everybody's doing, how everybody's feeling, to kind of potentially catch burnout, to catch loneliness and different things like that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear some of the things that you've been doing personally as a leader over, mm-hmm. over the years and what other leaders can be doing. It just small little things again that somebody could start again we can talk about tools maybe we'll talk about that after if you want to include that mm. now we could we could go there too so i think there's actually three kind of risks like one is definitely loneliness one is burnout uh because loneliness just means i'm not seeing enough people as i need from a personal perspective then the the burnout is there is too much to to do or i'm overwhelmed with the amount of expectations that are set of me and that is very much much like leadership influence and then the the third one which is kind of a combination is like this resignation of i don't know what the fuck i'm doing here this is horrible but I don't, I'm quite comfortable here. So I'm also not going to look for another job. So I'm just sitting here doing what I'm supposed to do. Men like getting to the expectations, but I'm not going to go the extra mile because I just can't be bothered. And yesterday, I think I read an article that this is quiet quitting is kind of the official word for that, which I think is like an uh, interesting definition. And I think that's the most difficult one to actually figure out but all of them are reflected in communication on how people communicate yeah and i know that you should only read like the most important slack channels and like manage notifications and then again me as a team lead i actually read almost everything that like my people read and even in channels that i'm I'm not really interested in series but like if i've three people or something are regularly watching whatever series is at the moment i will be in that channel just like to see how the app and flow of the communication because when people's communication 
with yourself, but also with each other, suddenly changes, something yes. has happened. Yes, yes, yes. And it might be an event like uh, that has really impacted them, or it might just be that they have come to like an internal event that was kind of like a breaking point, and now they are recalibrating about how can this all make sense to me. And there, there is no real science behind. It. It's like I'm not counting the number of messages, but when I see there's okay, this person always used to like crack yes. a joke at this kind of topics, or this person always added new emojis, and now they haven't added one to Slack in like three months. Yep. Like what happened there? And then it depends a little bit. Like if you have a good relationship with that person in one and one and you can paint point like blank ask like sure. i have realized that something has happened is there something that is like worrying you that that we that you'd like to share with me yeah. and otherwise it, it can also help to kind of start looking into what are they still talking about maybe also what are they writing on like public pages like on linkedin for example like what are the topics that they are they are they are talking about with others sure. and then see where does this come from like maybe it's something really huge Like I put, for example, on LinkedIn that my dad died uh, about a month ago because that was for me a huge impact and it really sure. threw me out of my lane for like quite a, quite a bit. For sure. And for me, it was important to make that public and I brought it up in one and ones and I talked with everybody about it. But like not everybody is that open. So, but you can still see that something happened. So finding out what is it that changed in their life and is it yep. something that has to do with their external life? which you may be able support to support them, even if it's just with listening to them? Or is it something that has actually to do with the company itself? F maybe they are super worried because funding is taking long, uh, fundraising is taking longer than was said at the beginning. And now they're suddenly like yeah. worried that they're going to lose their job because on LinkedIn, everybody's writing about how like there were layoffs or, or, or maybe they took on this new role and they're not, really clear about what this role actually means within the company. So they're still attached to the old role where they knew everything and now the new one is too overwhelming. And where can you as a manager listen to them if it's work-related, help clarifying, like what are the things that are expected of you this week, yeah. this month? And long, so that it's like that they see the path because sure. sometimes we're just stuck in our brain and we don't see the trees. Yeah. Like not not the forest, not the trees, not nothing. We only see like <laughs> <laughs> clouds. It's like okay, what what am I supposed to do here? And having yeah. somebody at the office, you would probably just talk about this with your like coffee mate or yeah. whoever yeah, you yeah. sit with together. But in a remote, like you as a leader, you need to find these things out. It when somebody quits, it not shouldn't ever be a surprise for you. Absolutely. There are two points I, I really liked, and I want to pull out. The first, as you said. When you made that announcement, you continue talking about with people on your team that your father had passed away. And again, I send my condolences. The biggest thing, and I think I, I want this, I want to end the conversation a little bit later with, with the idea around this of, you know, as a leader, especially when you want to kind of create an environment, something it's leading from the front, right? If you mm -hmm. want to create an environment where people are open and transparent and feel comfortable sharing things with you, you need to lead first and you need to show that. Oh, way. absolutely. And I think that's a, it was a fantastic thing that you said. It's th this happened to me. Like this is how I feel. This is how I feel vulnerable. This is how, and being able to share that, and people understand. Ah, okay. Like my leader is feeling this way. My leader is vulnerable. My leader is sad. My leader is something, and they're sharing it with me. That makes it more comfortable for me. And if I have something going on mm -hmm. with me, that I can kind of then share that back. So I think most critical thing that any of the leader can do around this whole idea of mental health and really anything, I think culturally is a leader from the mm -hmm. front, right? That's you know, taking vacation, right? You have unlimited vacation. If you as a leader don't take vacation, the people who work oh, for yeah. you are going to see that you don't, they're not going to do it either. And, and whatever yeah. that means. So certainly leading from the front. The second point that I wanted to, to bring out was that idea of noticing kind of the differences. And this was, I had somebody in my team a couple of years ago that used to drop GIFs or memes in whatever, like the team channel every day. It was always like a great part of the a great part of the day, whatever, no new meme or a GIF they're going to put in there. And then the person started kind of putting it in there like three times a week and then kind of putting it in there like once a week. And like, this was a sign for me, Hey, there was something going on here. Right. Because mm -hmm. again, every day they had a habit of doing this engaged cultural, whatever it may be. And then they, they had some kind of change. 
And yes, I think that's a complete, complete red flag. And things that I do now with my, certainly I do now with my teams, like two things that we can talk about. Number one, I kind of check in with them in Slack every other day. Just, hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. How's your day? What's new? Just again, just to have that conversation. It's not work. I'm not asking them about work. I'm not giving them feedback. Mm -hmm. Just, how's everything going? Again, it's very quick. It's Mm -hmm. not uh, anything like that, just to kind of get feedback. The second, what we do, and maybe we'll also kind of dive into like the idea of tools is we do a daily async standuply, stand up mm-hmm. through a Slack. And one of the questions in there is kind of like, how are you feeling today with a set of emojis, like happy to happy face to not happy face. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've, so you basically, you already give like the options. Correct. So the previous tool uh-huh. we had before allowed custom ones that you could put any emoji in there, which I think was great. Oh, okay. Before, yeah. Unfortunately they closed uh, and yeah. a new tool I've been pushing them to, 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 to add that ability. But now it's kind of like, I think five type faces, like super happy, happy, middle, so on and so forth. And I've really reiterated over the time to the team, it's of being honest, right? There's never a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. If you put a sad face, I thank you for that. And no, it's actually a good thing to put a sad face in there, right? Because if you yep. put a sad face in there, it's, I look at this, like you said, I look at this religiously. I see a sad face immediately. I jump on that person. Hey, how's everything going? I saw the sad face. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about it? What's new? Things like that. Also the same thing. If I see kind of like the neutral face, like mm-hmm. three days in a row, like, Okay, the same type thing. That's like a red flag for me. Hey, let me just check in, see why someone's like neutral. So I think there's even like again, maybe if you want to dive into the idea of tools, of there's little habitual things again of like check-ins or or what have you that you can kind of get some just quick feedback that you can take. Mm-hmm. You can look at that feedback and get a picture of oh, okay, yeah, everything's great or mm-hmm. everything's not great or maybe hey, do I need to kind of maybe keep an eye on this or do I need to try to do something uh, and take a look now. Mm-hmm. So, so what we do is we, ha- we use Geekbot and we actually also, we have a daily check-in, but you ha- you, and you have to fill it in once a week. So depending on the type of work you do, it may not make sense to do it every day, but like once a week at least. And then some people do it more often than others. And there's like, it's the typical stand-up question, like what did you do yesterday? What do you do tomorrow? But in the middle, we have a question, or like what's your focus today? But in the middle, the question is, Share something that you've learned or experienced since you last. And that's really interesting. Like we, and we experimented with a lot of questions. Because what did you do? Then people were like, it's a pandemic. Like, what do you expect me to do? Like, I, the dishwasher, amazing. <laughs> exactly. So like by po- focusing on the, what have you learned or experienced, made it a, like a little bit broader because then you can also talk like about the, the, the book that you read or the recipe you tried or, or whatever. And it's really interesting because if you use a tool, you usually get the stats. You can actually filter by one person yeah. and then you can very easily see like what yeah. has changed over time. Yep. And then you can actually look at that and be like, oh, this person used to be very verbose and now we get an emoji as what have you done? Yep. Like it's some something shifted there. And because then people will comment on threats. So actually the threats under these check-ins have become like our water cooler basically yeah. because somebody says, oh, I, I painted this wall in my house and puts a picture and then somebody is like, oh, I love this color. Which is it? Oh, it's, I don't know, peach pink or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. like it goes into color uh, yeah. theory, etc. So it's like very interesting what people then, then start yeah. talking about. And some of the social um, channels we have on Slack came out of these conversations that mm. then somebody else, and when it's three or four people, it kind of makes sense to just make a public channel out of it. And that's why we have like plant parenting and cats and dogs and whatever what you what you in free climbing and etc and so like that kind of it sparked more interesting conversations that were not only work related out of this daily check-in which is technically also work related because like you talk about what you did before and after so that was one of a tool that was really really helpful for us what i like about this how are you and giving some options or rather the thing that actually is complicated, how do you account for cultural differences? Because like I, w- I work a lot, like Germans, we are not super emotional to start with. <laughs> if, uh, if you have a Brazilian person on the team, yeah. it's, it's more likely than not that they have a lot of emotions. If we go with cultural stereotypes, Estonians have even less emotions than Germans or rather, I mean, they don't have less emotions, but they are very even keeled in terms of how they express these emotions. So how do you make sure that you also get the information that you need from people who will always take the neutral face because 
I mean, life's okay. I, I'm not sad. I'm not happy. I'm just normal. Because they're like that's, sometimes that's there, there are some people where it's really difficult to actually get through to them. And I don't know if it's based on where they grew up and where emotion mm. may not be like that part of, of the general interaction or if it's aligned with the type of job that you've chosen. Like yeah. they say that engineers are a little bit more stoic, which sure. may or may not be the case. But like, how do you account for that? That's that's a very interesting question. I think something I, I, I probably didn't think about of maybe it's like that combination of, okay, they give a neutral face, but that's like the standard. And then, okay, you mm -hmm. have to back that up with those like little conversations, like checking in with them mm -hmm. a couple of times a week. And then as you get to know them, if you know, like, okay, neutral is like good, I guess for neutral them. Neutral is right? actually a smile for everyone else. Yeah, neutral is a smile <laughs> for them. Then it's like, okay, the fact that you're putting like a neutral face, then okay, that's you know, everything, like everything's in green, so you don't have to worry about it. Mm -mm. And so, okay, not just taking one piece of information alone in itself in, in a vacuum, but kind of, again, doing these little different things that kind of combine those opportunities to really get a more, more robust picture. I think that's very interesting. Never optimize for only one KPI. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the last, I want to bring up one last point I want to talk about here, as I know our time is kind of running out. The conversation we've had today and many of these conversations around leadership and helping with loneliness and burnout, mental health and things like that, it's you as a leader, how do you help your team? And we covered a lot of great things today, a lot of great ideas, but one of the things that isn't so discussed as much, and again, we, I tried to do this on my, on the first season is what do you do as a leader for yourself? Right? Because you have mm -hmm. your own things going on, right? You said again, your, yeah. your father passed away a month, a month ago. So you're trying to help your team with whatever they're dealing with, but you at the same time, like you're dealing with things that are going on. So I'd love to hear mm -hmm. like what you've, what you do, maybe what you picked up over, especially maybe mm -hmm. during the pandemic of different habits or daily things that you do every day to help with your own mental health and your own loneliness and other things like that, which then again, I think is, is as valuable to leaders again, to give them mm -hmm. the tools and resources, because if they can't help themselves, they certainly can't help anybody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, that is, I learned a lot when I became a, became a mother. Because as a, as a mother, you are also supposed to figure it out all yourself. And oh, yeah. like the, the un, unsolicited advice you get usually is not very, very, very helpful. Yeah. So, and like for me, like motherhood and leadership have a lot in common. So I was able to like transfer some of the skills from, from one to the other. So w one thing that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of therapy and now, for example, I'm specifically working with a psychologist who specialized in grief counseling. Okay. So because I know this is the big emotion at the moment that I have to go through. If I put it into box, label it and put it yeah. under the stairs, it just explodes 10 years from now with sure. something completely unrelated. So I'm going to work through this now. And my team knows that I'm working with a grief therapist because on the day that I have the therapy session, if I have meetings afterwards, it might like it might come up in that unexpected so i want everybody sure. like if i start crying in a meeting it's not because you are making you. me unhappy it's yeah. because i'm working through things which i think also comes with the vulnerability side of things sure. like it's okay like we are we are all humans here and then the other thing on a more like when it's work related etc one of my experiences the higher you get the less less supports you get from the people who are you Absolutely. are reporting to because they usually have like a million other things. And at some point you are just reporting to them because the HR tool needed like lines, <laughs> but actually you are like working on so different things that, yep. that you can't really help each other and don't have the time or the energy for that. Yeah. So I have two uh, pages in, in my room on the wall with names on it. And one is my cheerleader list. And it always has five to 10 people that I know if they call them and then explain what I'm doing, they're going to tell me that I'm amazing. They will remind me of all the things that I've done in my life. They will remind me that I'm totally capable and they, they cheer me on. They will not give me a lot of constructive or d feedback on how sure, to do sure. differences, but they just know that I'm amazing basically. Yeah. And so whenever I feel, and that my, with women that might actually be cyclical, whenever I feel like unsure or I, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, this is all too much. I will call one of them and get a little bit like my, 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 my ego brushed up so that I can continue. And then the, and I review these, I have the lists on the wall so that I don't forget that I have cheerleaders and advisors. So the advisors, the second list, the people on that list, like some of them are very constant, but sometimes they will shift. 
Yeah. So I review every six months. I have a reminder in my calendar to actually check. Have I talked to all of them and I haven't talked to somebody? Is it because I didn't re realize or is it because they have kind of moved into another like friends category, let's say, and are not sure. in or and so and then I will like change the names and the advisory board. These are people that actually work through or in similar fields as myself. So I can actually rubber duck with them. Yeah, like I yeah. can talk and they will ask good questions. They will challenge me to think differently ar around it and to actually dig even deeper. And so uh, they don't like the people don't know who, that they are on the list. But yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. it's like a constant reminder that even though I'm alone at home, I am not alone in thinking through sure. these things. Some of my advisors are actually at Klaus, but some of my advisors, they're simply remote work expert or experts yeah. in the support industry. And then I can have these conversations that uh, it's like, I have this challenge at work. How would you do this? And then getting the, the input from the other person, but also that from that other person, hey, hey, but like half a year ago, didn't you try out this other thing? Why don't you try yeah. this again? Because we have had this, this ongoing conversation. Sure. So creating basically your own tribe of people who can cheer you on and people who can actually help you think is really, really valuable because this is like creating your own leadership circle yeah. that you can kind of report to and even find an accountability partner sure. if you need one. Sure, sure, sure. Plus somebody who actually knows what they are doing. So either a coach or a mental health professional, I can, that it's an investment and like, you don't need to do it every week. Like I go to one once a month, which is, and it goes into my budget because I know this yeah. is like eating healthy or like sure, going sure, to sure. the gym. Like it's just important for me to continue being a functional human being, yeah. not only at work, but also for my children and for my friends, because I'm sure. not alone in this world for sure. as much as I would like to be sometimes. <laughs> No, I, I, I love those ideas. I, I think they're great for me. I think what I did, I mean, especially during the pandemic was going for a daily walk or run, just mm. getting out of the house. I remember when the pandemic started, like I, I literally didn't leave the house for like, I don't know, two months, like almost joking. Oh yeah. We, we were in Spain. There was no option to leave yeah. the house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> completely so, shut in. <laughs> yeah. So I started going for like the daily walk or run just to get out of the house. I think that was really great. I have a group in the morning, a small group here across the street from my house, like where we do kind of morning stretching. We do like gratitude journaling, we kind of to pair up and kind of share what we, what we had in our gratitude journals, I think has been, been really great. Oh, um, this is a great idea. Yeah. So we like every, so I, we meet like six times, five, six times a week and usually like two or three times a week, we'll kind of pair up or, or like a group of three and just kind of share like what we had on our, our list of, you know, usually it looks like, you know, three areas of gratitude, like how's my my body thoughts and emotions you know what do i want mm -hmm. to achieve today kind of different things like that and be able to share those as a group and i think that is just for me especially being able to just write things down get getting them out of my brain and getting them out in some capacity has been a huge, huge yeah. help for, huge help for me i do i've started getting very much into like just daily breath work and meditation so every day i usually mm -hmm. have like two two sessions of like 20 minutes that's also helped me a lot and one of the things i did probably about a year, year and a half ago from like having a number of conversations with similar people who happened to be working for startups and happened to be parents. Like everyone was venting like frustration and anxiety and things like that. And it was like, just all kind of these little conversations, like with random people. And I said, mm -hmm. maybe I should like create a support group. I mean, like that's mm -hmm. no, everything I've always heard of. It's like, it's always good to have people to talk to. So I created this little support group of, I think it was like six people and we met uh, every other week and we had like a little WhatsApp group where we kind of had, the idea was to kind of have like daily things that we take on and we share them and uh, mm -hmm. share them in the WhatsApp group and like be able to cheer each other on is, is something that you mentioned, but just like the biggest point was, Hey, you're not the only parent who's working for a startup with kids that are like on lockdowns or like, you know, yeah. lockdown and quarantines, like every other week, like my kids were, I think at one point, one of my kids were like literally in and out and in and out of quarantine. Like oh yeah. They never get it. Like, like, can we please all quarantine together? Why do you test positive when the other kid is right out of quarantine? Like, how about we think this? <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, that, I mean, that was super helpful for everyone just to have an opportunity for people in the same, same like mm. scenario, be able to connect, be able to kind of cheer each other on, be able to have, mm. be a shoulder to cry on, which was, which was great. But I know we've kind of passed time and 
I, I greatly appreciate the time and the fantastic conversation. For people who want to connect more with you, connect a little bit more, learn more about Klaus and what you're doing, you know, what's the best way to get a hold of you, find out and get hold of Klaus? Mm -hmm. So uh, Klaus, the easiest way is klausapp.com. And we also have a really, really good blog, so clausapp.com slash blog, about all things customer support quality, including awesome. like templates for how to find a customer support quality person, et cetera. Yes. Like, so there's a lot of very practical advice in, in there. For me, if you find Valentina Turner with T-H-O and dot, dot two dots on the, <laughs> on the O on LinkedIn, I'm the only Valentina Turner until my, my daughter comes of age and we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, so the, I'm easiest found on LinkedIn and also on my website, valentinadurna.com. And awesome. yeah, on if, yeah, once a month I do a remote that works Q and A. So if people have specific nice. questions around remote strategy and leadership, I usually announce it on LinkedIn and also on my website. So people can just sign up and jump in and ask their questions. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll include all of those links uh, in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, again, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and sharing your experience, I think in a, probably the most important topic around culture and leadership and, and on mental health and loneliness and engagement and, and no burnout and which has been significant, probably the biggest issue the last uh, no, three years will continue to be big issues, especially mm -hmm. loneliness. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and ideas and things that you've done to obviously improve and fight against those. And to everyone who joined today, thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. I really hope you enjoyed it. My aim is for everyone listening to have one takeaway from each episode they can then go and use with their teams. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to support me by subscribing in your favorite podcasting app on our YouTube channel, share it with friends and colleagues, and please feel free to buy me a coffee via the show's website.